Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show that profiles ordinary people who choose to be extraordinary. I'm your host, Kathy Barrett. Thanks so much for tuning in today. My guest is Robert Imbu and the author of Before I Leave You, a memoir on suicide, addiction, and healing. This book, first of all, is really fantastic. I urge all of you listening to go out and get a copy. It started as a kind of secret goodbye, a love letter, if you will, to the people he was leaving behind as he struggled with drug and alcohol addiction and suppressed memories of childhood sexual abuse. From living on the streets to becoming a successful entrepreneur and philanthropist, even invited to New York, Robert reached career heights he never dreamed he would achieve. But yet he couldn't shake his deep-rooted feelings of unworthiness, which led to addiction and a suicide attempt. Robert's recovery is a path less taken, and his book is a roadmap for so many and will no doubt inspire those struggling with addiction as well as those contemplating suicide to hold on. To those of you who have lost someone to suicide, Robert's memoir provides such insight and understanding of the mindset of a suicidal addict and can ultimately bring you peace or at least a better place of understanding if you are caught in the emotional tsunami aftermath that occurs when you lose a loved one to suicide. And unfortunately, I'm a member of that club, so I understand fully what that feels like. So for more information about Robert and Bo, please go to his website at robimbeault.com. The name of the book, again, is Before I Leave You, a memoir on suicide, addiction, and healing. You can also find out more information about Robert and his book by going to my show's website at gobehindthecurtain.com. So welcome, Robert. I am so grateful that you made time to be with us today. Congratulations on your book, on your marriage, the birth of your two beautiful daughters, and sobriety, and welcome back to life. It's so great to have you. Oh, thank you so much for that <laughs> that introduction. Kind of overwhelming to, to hear, to be perfectly honest. Well, you know, it is overwhelming. It's 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 quite overwhelming um, and emotional for me today. Uh, I find that when I do shows that deal with this subject matter, I get the most people tune in. So it's it's something that. I think so many are struggling with right now. And what makes it even more difficult is that, uh, especially when it comes to, and even with addiction still, but especially when it comes to suicide, it's, um, it's such a taboo. And yeah. people keep it in the shadows. And the problem is that that is exactly where we have to, uh, where it has to not be. We have to pull it out of the shadows, bring it into the light, and talk about it because that is the way we will reach out and help people to understand that life is a moment-by-moment choice for all of us. And all of us struggle with various different kinds of trauma. And it's so important to know that we are all connected. So if we lose one, we all lose. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, absolutely. sorry for rattling on like that, but I am so <laughs> I am I thought your book was amazing. Really amazing. I mean, wow, it's a page turner. Okay? I have a background <laughs> in film, so I know it will make an amazing movie and I I hope that happens <laughs> for you. I'm so honored that you're on the program, and that you're sharing your story with the world is, is really um, a terrific thing that you're doing. Yeah, I, wow. I can't stop saying uh, thank you. I think, you know, you're, you're so right on so, so many levels um, in so many areas where just given our, everybody's life context with, with the pandemic and our current mental health uh, crisis because of it, 
now, you know, an impending war, like, and that's, I think we're bombarded with those images. I think, you know, suicide, uh, suicidal ideation can sneak up on us right now. Like we, we may not recognize that, that, you know, we're all one bad day away from these, these ideas um, and, and subsequent actions potentially. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't set out to write uh, a book to be perfectly honest. I just, uh, I just wrote because that was my own therapy and yeah, I, I when I shared it with my, my girlfriend now, I guess long-term wife, <laughs> um, she just said, you can, you can help a lot of people um, if, if this were to come out. And, and uh, it just so happened I had a, a love for, for writing. So, uh, yeah, getting the message out. And it's, I didn't expect um, what came after. Um, with you know, which, which is exactly what you're describing right now. It's like it's almost overwhelming to, to hear, um, mm-hmm. which is other people sharing with me because they're now comfortable um, and um, learning how to to you know um, accept that, learning how to um, live with and support and thank and be grateful for every moment, um, even even be grateful for the bad stuff because it it shines a light. Uh, as much on the good stuff. Um, and when you said, like, um, getting it out in the open, when that's the first thing I, I learned um, in suicide training um, was to bring that word to light. If you, you fear a loved one is thinking about it, saying those words, are you thinking about suicide? You know, or like, I'm here to, to, to talk to you, providing a safe space. Um, and getting the word makes it real, right? Um, yes. And if... If they now realize that yes, I am, I am thinking actually about suicide, and maybe I need some help. That it may, um, it, it may uh, remove some barriers to 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 get some help. Yes, and it's. I mean, my pet peeve about this is, you know, I consider myself to be a spiritual person, but I'm very down on religion for they really are the worst at kind of, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. attacking, not, you know, when you need, when someone you love takes their life, you need a lot of support. It's kind of like yeah. you're, you're now a member of a club that nobody wants to be a member of. And Absolutely. that's when you need love and support and compassion and, and to be surrounded by light. I'll, I'll never forget the priest that came up uh, to to me at the um, the wake for my brother said, well, you know, we can't have a mass for your brother in the church, but uh, we can mention his name. And in that moment, I never wanted to kick somebody so hard in all, in all my life. <laughs> you know, I'm not well, a violent person, yeah. but I really wanted to choke him. <laughs> it's funny how religion brings out the violence, and I mean, yeah. right, it's more violence has been, and more bloodshed in the world has been done by religion than than for any other reason combined. Uh, and and I'm I'm Canadian. I'm I'm sitting in in Ottawa right now, and we're sitting on the heels of the Pope apologizing for um, the the First Nation schools and the Indigenous schools, like and what happened there. Is it's like, and even the apology is 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 borderline insulting. It's yeah. just uh, um, yeah, just the, not to get political, but but I just the the shocking um, I guess um, association or I don't know reason why those things happen is just is yeah uh, yeah and I mean the whole it causes trauma at, at a much broader level like an entire community of people now are experiencing trauma and now subsequently and still it's like this has been a hundred years and there's still the highest suicide rates. It's, it's, it's still happening. Um, and, in Northern, in Nunavut and Northern provinces of Canada, it's just, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I'm grateful you're here with me today. Let's go back and start. Tell us about your childhood in Ottawa. So people understand uh, and have context. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I was born in Montreal earlier um, and moved to a city called Hamilton, Ontario, uh, which is a steelworker, blue-collar town, um, really known for it, those steels um, uh, manufacturing plants going out of business and uh, a lot of you know, violence in the, in the area. Um, 
and uh, we were we were poor. My my mom left uh, my father, who was uh, violent with her, uh, and uh, as she tells it, only once, and and then she left. <laughs> uh, so I, I grew up with her, and and um, she didn't ask for any child support or what have you, but. Um, so we were, uh, we, we missed meals. I guess that would be the definition that some people use. Um, and in those years, she was struggling to support us, uh, you know, a single mother and, and working, cutting hair. And uh, I was left with a series of, of people throughout the day um, and, and sometimes nights. And, you know, one night, I think it was when I was eight years old, um, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to put a happiness disclaimer here what, that I'd like to do that everything worked out. Um, I get emotional, <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, it's spoiler alert. Things happen and I'm, I am here. Um, but, yeah, I, I was violently raped um, uh, in my bed. I'd sort of woken up from, from that uh, out of nowhere and did not know how to process it. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, and what I did after was, was hide it. And uh, <laughs> uh, and I just sort of stuffed it down, and I, I called it a, a repressed memory. Um, but uh, and I think I and I do do mention this in the book. I I, I knew it was there, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I knew something was there. I knew there was a memory that I refused to look at, and it, it informed how I behave and, and how I grew up. Um, um, I recently got into all of my old report cards and you know what you know what quite engaging student turned into doesn't pay attention is is withdrawn um uh which is which is kind of telling and didn't i guess no one else uh i guess you don't know to look um and just yeah (laughs) i i still think i was still an, an only child i have younger sisters that came in uh 10 12 years after me Mm-hmm. Um, still, still mostly in Hamilton, and then yeah, get, get, got in a lot of trouble in my teens uh, and uh, early adulthood, uh, just trying to figure things out. <laughs> well, I want let me just pause here for a second because what you what you mentioned something very very important, and I just I really want to talk about it for a second. You know, this is something that happens so often. People become depressed or they get divorced. Then you have single parents that are all of a sudden struggling to make a living, you know, to care for their children. There are pedophiles everywhere. They're living on your block. They're in your neighborhood. Sometimes they're a relative or a friend or a friend of the families or a neighbor or a religious figure like a priest or a teacher. And when parents are fighting and disengaged, especially, as I mentioned, single parents who are often often kind of struggling more with financial difficulties or even drug and alcohol addiction, these sexual predators are waiting, they're watching, they're lurking about for that opportunity to make a move on your child. So I just want to kind of share that with the... Listeners, you know, don't think it can happen to you because it can happen to anyone. And I wanted to also ask you before we go on with your your telling, sharing your childhood, have you ever considered writing a children's book? It's a warning to kids and parents alike. I, I absolutely have. It's it's funny that you you say that. It's so germane to my life context right now. I, I am a father of two daughters. Um, I, I know earlier on when my first daughter was born, I have trust issues with men in general. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, I, I, you know, I took it out in the boxing ring a lot for, for many years. And um, my, now my eldest is about to turn five. And she is she's becoming sort of an athlete. She was swimming underwater at two. She's like, can hit a ball out of the air. She's just, and we put that in front of her, you know, um, and she's, she's taken off with it. And now, um, you know, one of the first people I reached out to before the book came out was uh, Theo Fleury, which is a, a former NHL player, one of the best of all time. And he came out uh, having been raped 150 times by coaches along, throughout the uh. years and then some uh, other people, it was a huge whistleblower, it was a huge thing here in Canada. Um, and and now 
like I want my daughter to experience sport and 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 you know and you know the the fun of competition and and everything around it, all the positivity around it. But how can I reconcile that with my lack of trust, right? And even the the the, the university um, uh, scandal a couple of years ago with the gymnastics doctor, I think, and there was like yeah. hundreds hundreds of girls going through this like it's like heartbreaking and it's so prevalent and this is like this is in the spotlight these are at like nationally recognized athletes that are this is happening to when their parents are in the room um so like i really wanted to support you know my my daughter um getting there and and a, a lot of uh my wife and i uh, our conversations with her are to make sure there are no secrets you know, you come to mom and dad no matter what. Um, and and we don't get into the nitty-gritty. I think we're, she's too young now, but we just sort of, your body is your own. Even if, you know, some wayward friend of a friend wants a hug, and like she says no, she says no, it's her body. Um, and we want to respect that as well. So there's, and I, I think there, it's right for a lot of children's books. And those, and we both know those books are for the parents uh, as much for the kids. Right? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, that's like we, <laughs> we, we, I'm sure we've gone through thousands of books at this, at this point every single night. Uh, we've had some that touched on the subject. We're just sensitive to not making her grow up too fast. Um, mm-hmm. That said, there, 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 are no, there are no secrets. And we, we repeat things like we share in this family and there are no secrets in this family uh, in a positive light, right? Like, you know, yes. you know, we don't tell dad this. I'm like, no, nope, we, we don't play that game, you know. And, you know, my, like my mother would say that, you know, as, you know, in jest. Now, don't tell mom I'm giving you this. It's like, no, we don't keep secrets. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, right? like, I think that could infiltrate the thinking a little bit. And I, I want to take no chances. Um, and that said, I had a, a conversation with a really good friend this past weekend um, who has daughters the exact same age as uh, how we became friends. Um, and he's a, a former pro athlete. And he just said, it's, like, it's, it's so different now. You know, kids are allowed in, in the, uh, the rooms with, like, the locker rooms, and they're never alone. And, um, you know, it protects both ways, you know, for, for good actors, for real coaches and real humans. To not get accused, you know, just in case, right? Like, right, so right. we, I think it just keeps keeps everyone honest, um, I, I believe. But that was a long-winded answer of yes, I would love to write a <laughs> children's book. Uh. <laughs> no, I think that it's so important, and and even, I mean, I don't know if you're doing, you know, speaking engagements as well, but I could see you just really changing so many lives by. Uh, touring, you know, schools and speaking to kids directly. Unbelievable. Because, you know, you you live through this experience. It's just, and, and, you know, the same happened to my brother, you know, and I didn't find out about it until he was in his 40s. Took him all those years to be able to speak about it. And he shared it with me. And I'll I'll tell you, I think that's something else that is important to talk about. You were a good student, and then all of a sudden your grades began to decline, and then you became yeah. introverted for a while. All of this, yeah. these are warning signs that people should take notice of and investigate. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean yeah. that every child, you know, that's going on for every child, but still you can't just say, oh, well, he's just eight or he's just going through this period or that period. You need to really investigate and make sure that your child is okay at that point because it's not easy to talk about anything when you're eight years old really you know, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah i think i think it's really really a part of um i mean it's not it's it's, it's clear that something has happened when that drops off suddenly and i yeah. think the key um is is uh, offering uh, a safe space I think it's just if, if they feel safe to come to you about anything um, and, you know, without judgment, you know, with full, um, with full love and you're able to like and chat it and not like there's not going to be any shame associated. I think, I think that's, that's key. Uh, no matter what's happening, even, even if it's not something as dire, um, giving them a safe space to express themselves can, can really pay dividends down the road uh, if something does. Um, and, and it just helps your relationship. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sorry for interrupting, but I wanted to ask you, 
coming from you, what would that safe space would have felt like for you? <laughs> um, I think in, in my case, just just the nature of my, my mother's life, she just, we didn't have that much communication. Um, there mm-hmm. weren't those one-on-one talks where, um, just because she's trying to put food on the table. Um, and so I think um, for, I think it would have made all the difference to me. I think back then, like this is the 80s, right? Like uh, it's still still taboo to even talk about, um, which is why so many priests got away with it. Um, and, and, and teachers and coaches, not to, to harp on, on just one, one group. I think that's why the pedophiles got away with it because it's like, like it, it was just – people didn't want to hear it. The parents didn't want to hear it, right, because they've now failed as parents, um, and it's not really about that. So um, I think the safe space would have been something I could have expressed myself and maybe maybe faced a little earlier. Um, mm-hmm. And I've I've always believed that – I think anybody thrives with encouragement and empowerment, right? Like you just, just a few kind words. And I say this in the book, I have like uh, an uncle that I, I didn't see very often. Every time I saw him, he was always positive. He was always positive. And he would say, like I, I quote him in the book. He was like, I have no doubt you're going to do great things. Yeah. And I love that. I held on to those words because there were so few of them in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've made them real. I, I feel I've made them real. <laughs> Right, so I think I've done yeah. some good things, and I'm in a good place, and now I'm in a place where I can help uh, in so many ways. Um, and and it, it was the idea to potentially speak, uh, but my book came out in uh, spring of 2020. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I still have boxes of books that I was supposed to bring for book signing, uh, which the, <laughs> which you know there were no bookstores <laughs> open at the point. Yes. So uh, whenever someone's over, yep, have a book. <laughs> No, I understand. It was a crazy time. I mean, it still is a a bit of a crazy time. But, well, you know, the thing is, this is subject matter that doesn't go out of style, right? So, unfortunately and fortunately, so that I see this having such, I mean, it's endless. You know, you can go on promoting this book for the rest of your life if you choose to. Just in America, there are more than 42 million survivors of sexual abuse, according to the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And 20% of those victims are under the age of eight. And that's why this is so incredibly important, what you're doing and how you're sharing this information, because... This has to be a major, major wake-up call to parents, uh, to single parents, to couples, to anyone that is taking care of a child, and not just the parents, but the aunties and the uncles and the friends of the family. Everybody needs to pay attention to this. And and especially right now, like, I I didn't grow up in this, you know, um, uh, Mm technology-ridden place, and and um, like when, when, with social media now, and after two great documentaries are The Social Dilemma, which is on Netflix, and Childhood 2.0, which is free on YouTube, is, is really well, they're both incredibly well produced. Um, and every time I, I, as a parent, you know, where, you know we, we've watched it, um, and I, I've shared it with friends who are parents, and some of which uh, have watched it with their kids that are much older than mine, like in the 11, 12-year-old. So, mm-hmm. like, we have to talk about these specific things now because they're, you know, those pedophiles are still laying in wait. And yeah. this is, they, they have a new media. They have, they have a new, uh, you know, an MO. Um, and, like... I don't want to be alarmist either. I think there, you know, I, I still, uh, I think there are more good people than bad. Um, you know, I, I definitely think we're, we're living in a, in, in a great time and, and technology is wonderful, you know, when it works. Um, but that said, it's, it's to shine light in the dark corners and say, listen, this here, this, this exists too. Um, and here, here's where we have to be careful. Uh, I think social media is like a uh, scary, scary place right now. Uh, and that, that's speaking as a, as a father. 
Yes. No, it is a very scary, scary place. And I think you're absolutely right about that. It's not, I mean, if you're having those honest and open conversations, then it doesn't become scary. It's just another fact of life. It's just another part of learning. It's just another stepping stone to helping your child be self-sufficient and able to protect themselves. So I think you're handling it all quite beautifully. And um, I think you should definitely, I know you're very busy at the moment, but you must take time <laughs> to write that children's book for both parents and, and children alike. So let's, let's yeah. move on. Uh, finish your, uh, I'm sorry, I kind of interrupted you to go off in this direction, but you were talking about your childhood and finish sharing oh, that. And then, this, is, this, is, this is a conversation we can bounce around as we please. Okay, good. Uh, but, and there's, there are so many so many like items that I, you know, we, we both probably want to be able to mention, you know, with, you know, with social media and and for me for sports and all these, all these other considerations. Um, As far as my, my, my life, I just, uh, so yeah, it, it, I was, I was definitely in trouble and then um, uh, decided uh, in my early, I guess, mid-20s, I just sort of was lost all the time. I tried university. It didn't take. Um, I just, uh, I, I, you know, discovered uh, drinking mostly and, and mm-hmm. partying. Um, and that uh, didn't help. And and it was the, the strangest place. Like, I had a retail job at Foot Locker, of all places. And uh, I just achieved some success. I just got into it um, in my mid-20s. Uh, I did very well with it. I was a you know nationally ranked salesperson from a smaller town, which is unheard of. Um, you know, worked a ton, 60, 70 hour weeks were were, were more more than common for for me. And the, I and I achieved accolation. You know, you just you you it's celebration. And, and I got a mm-hmm. taste of that. You know, and like and, and uh, I liked that. <laughs> I liked that feeling. Sure. And, and my my grandfather once said, you know, there, there's no such thing as luck. You make your own, and you work really hard, and everything else will catch up. And, and so I took that to heart. And I just put my put put my head down and started working. Um, you know, I I was um, some technical courses. Um, actually, I, I won an essay contest uh, that that was a, a, a turned into tuition for a, a technical college and. Uh, so writing came to save the day then as well, um, and I did really well. It was computer engineering, and really got into it. Uh, got a job out of that um, writing, actually technical manuals, and then programming, and uh, I loved it. And that was my new addiction, though I didn't realize it at the time. Um, you know, I, I worked for someone else, and I work again 70-hour weeks. Um, and then bought my, my boss out, kind of went into debt, and built my own business uh, with with friends that, that worked as hard as I did. Um, I you know I, I got married, uh, and that didn't work out mostly because I was working that much and didn't pay much attention. Sure. Um, and I continued to do that for decades, um, uh, and. Founded another uh, another company with friends and uh, just grew what I thought I were. This is where I, I, I set sight on money. You know, I really want to achieve X amount of money because then then things will work out. Then they'll be happy. And, right. Uh, and then you know I could take time to pay attention to the the people I love. Um, and then, I mean, this it was in two thousand. 11, I think, or 2012, where um, happily, uh, quote unquote, happily married, and all of this memory came back, like it, like the, it, what was just like a blurry photograph in a box somewhere came like like a, you know, HD, <laughs> 4K mm-hmm. movie in my mind, playing over and over again, knowing what happened and feeling it, feeling it in my um just just feeling it and uh, I, I was catatonic for a couple of days just sort of just laying down uh, on the, beside the toilet in my house and my wife had no idea what was going on um, and uh, I decided to end my life, ended that relationship, went on my own, um, discovered 
MDMA um, and cocaine uh, and went deep into that. And MDMA is an interesting drug. It just makes you happy and makes you in love with life for those few hours. And uh, it's followed by a really bad crash because <laughs> you can't sustain it. Um, and, uh, and I had made the clear decision to end my life um, and uh, a la, like leaving Las Vegas style. I just, I, I just, let's just, and very much a lot, of, a lot of part of was that in, was in Las Vegas and um, spending whatever I had, you know, saved and going and, and more, uh, getting into debt so I had no reason to live, no way back. And mm. uh, there, the, yeah, there, there were two big attempts, um, and. Uh, when one, it seemed like uh, something something intervened, um, uh, like like or just happenstance. It's just sort of how the hell did this happen at this moment? Um, mm. And the other, I just I just failed, um, and which made it way worse, right? You know, now yeah. I'm I'm either like I'm still pathetic because either I'm incompetent or this is a cry for help. There's no one around, and <laughs> I just got angry with myself and solidified. Okay, I got to figure out how to die now. Um, and, um, and I, I was resolute in that I, I I didn't want I wanted to make it as pain-free uh, for for everyone else, and that's when I started writing. I'm like, try to explain those the feelings, like the like the sense that once I end my life, the pain will stop. Uh, and that's a big message to deliver. That's like, like, like to say it will like the pain will stop. Like I couldn't, it's hard for words to express that, but it, it just felt so true. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> that that's another very important point that I just want to stress a little bit here. Many people who have lost a loved one to suicide remain angry at these loved ones that have taken their life, right? And I think if people understand the level of pain their loved ones were feeling in that moment, that they would be able to let go a lot of that anger. So that's why I feel the fact that you're sharing this story is not only important for those struggling with addiction and those contemplating suicide, but for also for those left behind. So if you can just a little bit in more detail, describe what that pain was like for you, because people will say, but how could they leave their children or how could they leave their wife or their husband or didn't they love me or, you know, just a little, just a a few more details, Robert. I think that would help so many people that are still kind of struggling out there about that. Yeah, there's, there's so many, convincing arguments you have with yourself, right? You just like, I, I'm a nuisance to everyone else. I'm just going to bring everyone down. Um, I, they'll be free of me and they'll be free of like me and the state. Um, there's, there's so many different arguments. And yeah, the, yeah, the, the pain is the pain. Like, it's like to call, even to call it pain sounds, sounds vague. It's just, um, and to which I'll invoke a book <laughs> called "The Body Keeps the Score," which I think most a lot of therapists use uh, in to, to explain this this pain and how it manifests in your actual body, your physical body. Um, like it's, it's it's just constant. It's always there, and um, and there's a lot of like there's an element of fatigue. Because you, I was still interacting with people. I was trying to go to work. I was trying to portray the successful, um, you know, entrepreneur, uh, executive persona. Um, and I was the happy guy. Uh, don't forget, I, I was the guy who was like, I don't say life of the party, but it was always social and it was always warm. And I liked people and I liked being around people. Um, but then once I'm alone, I could, I have to like, this is where I recharged, and this is where I would just be like, I just need to stop. I just, I hate like, like everybody, like everything I am, to, and I'm a different persona to different people. You know, I think that was a large, a large part of it. I just, I felt like a constant liar. So there's mm-hmm. like, there's just layers of guilt and shame and embarrassment, um, 
And that was constant, like literally constant. Whether I was That's in the exhausting. shower, whether I was talking yeah. to people, I'm making presentations to investors. Like what uh, I was out to drinks with friends. You know, um, I was I'm newly addicted to this lovely new drug, uh, several drugs. Now I have something else that I, I can hate myself for. It, it was just a web of la- like just huge layers of really heavy blankets uh, of shame, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's tired. It, it's exactly what you say. It, it, it was exhausting. I just, uh, and mm-hmm. so, so to commit suicide this would, would be to shed all that. It's all gone. I don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, and not really considering the collateral damage, you know, like I would destroy my mother. I would destroy my, 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 you know, um, uh, I did, luckily I didn't have children back then. It's like, like, and so I, I didn't even consider that. Um, I, I, or I guess I somewhat did cause I'm writing out like, here's my passwords, you know, you know, to, to my ex-wife, now ex-wife just are like, here's the passwords to the account. Here's where this is. Here's, um, you know, let's close off some projects at work so they don't have to deal with that. And, and but that's, I think that you're was doing the idea it. for the name. Yeah, but you're doing it, and I think this is important. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I think this is so important for people to hear. When you say everyone will be better off without me, you have to understand that that's where people who take their life, that's where that's what they're feeling, that's what they're thinking. It's not to attack anyone or to get revenge or any of these other kind of hateful things that I think people tend to go to think that. That's why people took, you know, their life. Yeah. It's because they right. think the world's going to be better off without them. That's how bad, that's how horrible they feel about themselves. That's how overwhelming the pain is. So once people kind of let that in, I, you know, that opens up compassion. So, oh, God, it's just, it, <laughs> it really is, is very moving. But I want people to get that because so many people I talk to are still angry. Angry. Why? 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 And they need to get the understanding of what people are feeling in that moment. Yeah. It, it, and this is, this is where opportunity kicks in, right? Like, why, why are we feeling that way at that moment? It's, it's because we don't feel worthy, right? If you really yeah. map back to the trauma, we don't feel worthy. And if you have someone, anyone say, you're worthy, I want you here. That will completely change the perspective. That will open a door, you know, just like like a little little shining piece of light, um, right? So like, yes, um, I think that's such an opportunity if you recognize that and saying those words, right? It's just like it's just going to be hard, but we're going to get through it. Um, and I want you here. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know, I, I, um, and it has to be repeated, like. Like, like we won't want to hear it. <laughs> they won't want to hear it. They won't want to accept right. it. Um, um, because being worthy means we have to face what we have to face, right? That's yeah. the, the hard, harder, the hardest uh, thing to do in life is to look at the uh, the darkest corners of yourself, um, because it's scary. But once you look there, once you figure that out, huh, life, life, life is different. Um, and, and like, again, back to the happiness disclaimer, even though I'm crying now, uh, I, I have a gratitude journal. The very first thing I do in the morning is that gratitude journal, you know, followed by that meditation. Um, and it just changes the brain chemistry. It's like really, and like, I'll be grateful for, well, I have two toddlers, so I'm grateful for (laughs) some quiet time. Um, but even the quiet time, I really genuinely, sincerely like, ah, this is nice. Even right now, I'm I'm sitting in a car outside the office building because <laughs> I didn't go in the office. I'm like, oh, it's nice and quiet in here, and I get to have this amazing conversation and you know dig dig deep and potentially help people. Um, yeah, I'm grateful for that. Grateful for you reaching out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm grateful for you. And you know, that's the other thing is it's so important to just sometimes if you haven't heard from one of your friends or one of your family members just pick up the phone and say hi. You know, it, it you know what I'm saying? It doesn't cost anything to just extend a hand to someone in need. Yeah. 
You may know them, you may not know them. If you're walking down the street or you're in a store and you see someone that's distraught or, you know, someone can't afford to buy the package of diapers, you know, they're counting out their change, buy it for them. It, it, yeah. it, it, it costs so little for us to show humanity. And if we all just put that at the forefront of our day and, and in our intentions, it, would, it truly could shift the energy on the planet. And I know that people think, some people, oh, it's so airy, fairy would think. But it's so true. It's so true that yeah. we yeah. have to do very little, really, extend ourselves in such a small way, and we can really save a lot of lives in the process of doing that. So let's talk about the moments leading up to the realization that after years of trying to destroy yourself, you come to the moment where you say, I want to choose life now. Um, so, I mean, I describe it more as a, as a scene in the book, if that's how um, I think writing works. I think there was definitely steps in the right direction. You know, I had be, I, I agreed to see a therapist where I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to talk this out and see what happens. And um, I know I, and I tried to be somewhat funny in my book, right? It's a little bit yeah. of humor um, where, you know, I, I met with different therapists to interview them. Um, and some I, you know, I didn't like and, and some, you know, just sort of didn't get it until I met this, uh, this beautiful double PhD that just did not put up with my bullshit, just fall right mm-hmm. through me. So it was like, she, and she literally said, like, I'm really expensive if you want to sit here and bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, okay. I'm like, I'm going I'm to pick her and then made the decision to be raw and, and honest and just say, listen, like, I'm a liar and I, and I want to do drugs a lot. And she just, and she just shrugged her shoulders. She's like, okay, well, we'll get to that. Let's chat first. Um, mm. And, uh, and, um, even at that, I was like, this, I didn't really take it seriously. Um, I, I, but I had considered therapy as a form of weakness, just being brought up in my kind of like, uh, you know, a, a toxic masculine type of environment. Um, and, uh, but it, it wasn't till, I mean, a lot of things happened, but, uh, I was at uh, Walden uh, because I loved, uh, you know, Thoreau and I Thoreau. loved the book because, uh, uh, and, you know, obviously I wanted to get away from everybody, which is kind of the point of suicide. Um, mm-hmm. And I made a road trip, uh, just sort of, I need to clear my head. And uh, I was just floating in, in, in uh, Walden Pond. Uh, I just sort of like, I, I realized that I was taking steps to get better. I like, Right. So I definitely was, but I still had that overwhelming sense of guilt and shame and, and pain. But it was, it was like, it was like at that moment, I was, I, I just said to myself, I'm, I'm actually trying to get better. And I think there's a reason for that. So let's, 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 let's explore that. And, and I've, I have the same background as, as you with respect to being raised Catholic and we were born into, you know, original sin and you yeah. know, we're trying to make up for, for, you know, a dude, you know, that ate an apple, but like it didn't make any, it didn't resonate with me. Um, yeah, me but when I discovered meditation, um, you know, just the utilitarian nature of it, you know, getting more sleep, mm-hmm. being more calm, you know, blood pressure, health, physical health, uh, I got into the spiritual side. And I really, I really craved a spiritual side. And, and um, I just, I, I, I could do without the, the other stuff, the God stuff. Um, and, uh, and I, I am a practicing Buddhist, but I don't, and like, there's, there's a book that Thich Nhat Hanh wrote, the living, living Buddha, living Christ, um, which is about, like you described, all the, be- all the best things of those yeah. religions and how a good Christian is a good Buddhist and vice versa. And we're on the same page, um, which is, was powerful to me. Um, I, I, and so I, I loved that practice. I loved that philosophy. I like the, the framework for living. Um, and, uh, you know, I follow it and knowing I'm not perfect. <laughs> right. Like, no, like knowing that I'm human too. <laughs> right. 
No, I, I do believe there's – now I believe the opposite of original sin. I, I believe in inner Buddha nature. I, I believe that we have a positive, um, shining, perfect, beautiful, living being inside us all. And through meditation, through kindness, through just being, being you in, in whatever capacity you can, you get closer to that. And even if you make mistakes – you, you can still, like, everything can be corrected. Everything, you just go back and start again. You start, you're a new person every moment. That's right. It's part, you know, it's part of life. I mean, you can't possibly go, no, none of us are perfect. No one can go through life without making mistakes. And mistakes are just, it's, it's a learning process. You know, we're all works in progress. And that's what, to me, the journey of life is about, you know. I mean, I strive to be the best possible version of myself that I can possibly be. And I fail at it terribly <laughs> from day to day. <laughs> but, you know, I, I could... It's in the trying. It's in the trying that makes you that yes. perfect person, right? We're, we're yes. making an effort. Um, and the fact, like, the fact that you just laughed at it speaks volumes. Yeah. Right, we can laugh it off. You're like, I can be, I can be this screw up. I can, I can, and and definitely something I want to model for for my daughters. Right, I'm like, yeah, that yeah. screwed up again. <laughs> yeah, we did. But what did yeah. we do? Do after got right back up. Got right back up. It's yeah. true because a lot of my um, childhood trauma was. I think I went to Catholic school up until the third grade, and just, you know, not to get into my story, but I had epilepsy as uh, a small oh. child. And in those days, the nuns thought every time I had a seizure, I was talking to Satan, and that's how they treated me. So the bullying, <laughs> you, do you know what I'm saying? I, I refer to them yeah. as penguins from hell. But the, <laughs> you know. I like the, the, uh, the irony. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, I just, we're all imperfect, and especially those people who kind of put on a robe and say, no, nope, I got close to contact to, you know, God than anybody else does. They're the worst, okay? They are so yeah. far from yeah. being authentic um, most of the time. Not all, but I'm just saying right now we're seeing a lot of that, um, especially here in America. But, no, we're all imperfect, and, and, and I was petrified to make a mistake because if I did in my classroom, I had one of the nuns kind of physically toss me across the room. And during those times, you know, your parents listened to the nuns. Well, they were right. You know, you had to have done something wrong. So I would get, you know, beat twice kind of a thing. Not that my parents were big beaters, but, you know, you would get punished and smacked yeah, and sent to bed sure. or whatever. So it's, yeah. it's so important to be able to make a mistake because that's how we learn. And in every mistake that we make, there's something so beautiful that comes out of that. There's a knowledge. There's yeah. a way to move forward with it that is a blessing, you know, as, as you shared. It's like related to my professional side where you can, I, I, I'm now an, an investor and, and taking a role at various startups and letting, like, in, informing that part of, you know, uh, screwing up and because we're all going to fail and it's going to be great, you know, and how wonderful is, is that. And my last talk to uh, uh, a graduating class years ago was I led with that. I said, good morning, great to meet you. I just want to, I'm here to tell you that you're all going to fail. Wow. <laughs> and to a quiet room. And how wonderful that is going to be. It's like, if you think you're not going to fail, like, I think you should prepare yourself for something. And, and me to turn that into something in jest more than, more than shock. But um, it, it's such a, when you can laugh about it, when you can learn from it. Um, and even, even some of the traumas, you're like, like, I've learned from it. And right. And like with the yes. meditation and trying to forgive, like, yes. uh, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful you know, chapter for me. Uh, I cried and cried writing that, <laughs> that chapter. Yes, and, you know, writing is um, such a beautiful form of weaponry, you know, if you will. <laughs> Even yeah. people who can't, if you're addicted, if you're thinking about taking your life, just keep a journal. You don't have to show it to anyone if you don't wish, oh, but getting it out of your body and into the universe is the first step to healing. Yeah. 
because I always, most of us, when we hurt, when we have trauma, we run from the pain. Like you said, you became a workaholic. I'm still a workaholic in trying to figure it out. (laughs) And it's that, the essence of that, where if we really go into silence and walk directly into the pain, that's when the healing occurs. But we're so prone to running from it, you know, from not looking at it, from feeling the shame, because society kind of sets that perfection stuff up, right? Oh, we have to look perfect. We have to be perfect. You can't possibly make mistakes. You know, all of that is bullshit. Pardon my language. (laughs) Right? And we need to, I think what you did for that, that class is amazing. And that's what we all need to do for each other, that we're okay. No matter who we are, no matter what we're doing, we're okay exactly where we are. Mm -hmm. We're here to help if you need it. And just know that things are going to get better, that life is a moment-by-moment choice. And and you get to choose. And I hope you do choose to to choose life. So, again, this is all very important stuff. But now I also want to talk about how you found... And I just wanted to share, it's interesting that you were so drawn to go to Thoreau's cabin because I found for myself, after my brother took his life, that I was committing spirit suicide. And what began to heal me was therapy, but the first thing that healed me was nature. The the healing power of nature is is something that I can't speak enough about. Because if you find that you can't talk, then pick up a camera and and start moving your emotions by using your camera as your speaking voice. Pick up your pen and start writing, and that becomes your voice. There's so many different ways that we could start to move yeah. that energy. But being in nature is, even if you're just sitting in the grass, Looking at the sunset, make sure that you take time because it's not just diet and exercise and meditation and nutrition. It's making sure that you have nature in your life every single day. You have to have a dose of it or else I don't. For me, I can't get back to that place of neutral unless I do go out, listen to the birds, just feel life, being life. It's so important. Yeah. I totally, totally, totally agree. I mean, again, I'm in Canada, so <laughs> we're surrounded by it. Um, yeah. Definitely make an effort to get barefoot in the grass or, or wherever. Like, we, we want to actually touch the earth. Um, and, yeah, I, I totally – like, there's a great book called Forest Bathing where they're actually getting into the science of, you know, relieving stress and anxiety and blood pressure from a 30-minute walk in the woods. That's just a part it's – a, it's a therapy in itself. Um, in, in one thing I wanted to touch on with, um, with writing and, um, I'll mention, I like to mention here, one of the most powerful exercises I did, um, mm-hmm. was write, uh, a letter with my, my, my strong hand, my right hand, uh, him, how much I loved him and how much he was worthy and then how sorry I was, and then respond with my left hand, um, mm. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was probably the single most powerful therapeutic. Um, actually, I did EMDR as well, but this was. In, and I, I have, I've had conversations back and forth. I can type it out now, totally fine, because I can speak from the point of view of that little boy um, to make sure that you know he's still there and he's still loved and like. And, and it sounds gitchy and silly, and I felt gitchy and silly doing it. Um, but wow, did, did that ever open up some doors um, and, and change my perspective on things? Because we, I think we can remember how little we knew back then and, and how much we, and we can, from our perspective now, we know what we needed back then. So um, we can better articulate it back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want to, I just mentioned it because like we're mentioning a lot of coping strategies and because I think it's not, not, not one, 
thing. There's not one panacea. I think that it's all of them and many things, different things will have different value for different people. Um, but that was part Absolutely. of my writing exercise. I'm going to, you know, when you were talking about that, Robert, I could feel my chest open up. I mean, I got emotional there for a second. So thank you for sharing that because that's what I'm, I will be doing this afternoon. I think that is a wonderful, wonderful suggestion and an exercise uh, for all of us to do, regardless of what our childhood it was like. And, you know, it's, it's, so important to connect to that aspect of yourself. And so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I would say plan for some time right after. Go For you, go out yeah. in nature. Plan for an hour to go outside because it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a trauma in itself, but it's powerful. It's pow- more powerful than I think. It's definitely more powerful. Well, for me anyway, so what I'm just sort of giving you a disclaimer. Like, I would plan yeah. for some time afterwards. Like, don't write this out and be planning to see a bunch of people right after. Um, <laughs> give yourself a chance to, to integrate, and, and uh, I think that's, that's a big part of it. Um, so, yeah. You need time to <laughs> nurture yourself. Yeah, yeah, you need time yeah. to nurture yourself for sure. And then you also uh, mentioned the um, – eye movement, desensitization, and and reprocessing the EMDR that was also a part of your therapy. That was also a part of my therapy. And I found that because, you know, when we get, uh, and I don't know, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a medical doctor, but when I am stuck in my life and I feel like no matter what I do, and sometimes, you know, I can try meditate, I can try all these things and nothing works. I'm just stuck. Mm And when you have that kind of a severe trauma, and for me, losing my brother was was that for me. Luckily, a therapist said, well, let's try this to see if it works. And I can't even explain to you how it works. It's the most bizarre thing. But all I can tell you is that after a few sessions, I wasn't stuck anymore. It was, you know, it was amazing to me. I was able to come out of it, and then all of a sudden I could feel the energy again move through my body where it wasn't. It was just trapped before. It wasn't going anywhere. And that's Mm -hmm. what I mean by spirit suicide. It's like, you know, you can't continue to live like that without starting to have, you know, health issues and psychological issues. And so also I'm putting that out there as well for people to look into because again it could be a tool that could help you along the way so i know we've been talking a long time i could keep you on the phone forever but can you share with (laughs) us now because i know you're on you're into meditation and diet and nutrition and exercise and putting putting the right fuel into your body is very important so can you talk a little bit of that before we, we go and also if there's anything you would like to you know, again, talk about that we haven't covered, please feel free to do so now. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, no small talk. I think uh, <laughs> with, 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 yeah, I mean, it's all about consumption, you know, uh, I think with, with nutrition, consuming what, knowing what food you're, you're consuming. Like I, I took a neutral approach. Um, you know, I've, I've become plant-based and I've been, uh, I guess, vegan mostly on and off, but on and off uh, for the better part of, of five years. And that it, it, my Buddhism, I think, helped inform that as well in, in terms of doing no harm. Um, that said, I don't think it's like it's not for everyone. I think it's got to be right, you know, for, for yourself. Um, and do I, for me, I do the research because I think um, I'm no longer – just avoiding bad foods, which is tantamount to punishing myself. I'm, I'm searching out, seeking out, loving myself. So that's how I treat that. Um, I think with, with meditation, I, um, I do a lot of different, I mix it up a lot. Um, now I've been back to, I, which is actually part of the book, uh, which I haven't been doing a lot, but uh, back to loving kindness uh, and Sharon Salzberg's uh, version of it, you know, may you be safe, may you be happy maybe healthy, maybe live with ease. So uh, I, I find that opens my heart to what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm in kind of a new uh, professional context. I'm supposed to be retired, but having some fun with some startups and the, their, uh, some of the anxieties associated. So I, I lean back into my, uh, my, my meditation study. Um, I have the gratitude journal, which is the very first thing uh, I do in the morning. Uh, and that rolls into um, an affirmation. 
which, you know, I love and respect myself, and to write that down and to wholly agree, agree with it and believe it is mm. a thing, right? Like, I started writing that down, and I didn't believe it. I was lying. I didn't love and respect myself when I, when I started this, like, years ago. Um, but I decided to do it anyway. And that turned into, well, how can I be that person? How can I be a person I love and respect? And t- I took those steps, right? And, and right. Um, the, the type of person I love and respect these days is that I'm modeling good behavior for my, for my daughters, loving them wholeheartedly no matter what, and providing a, a good home. Uh, part of loving my daughters is, is respecting and loving and honoring my, my wife, you know, who mm-hmm. uh, is my center. I think she's the hero of my book, <laughs> um, yeah. like most of my friends discovered. And by the way, half of my friends thought I was writing a business book. <laughs> they were a little surprised <laughs> um, uh, and, and fell in love with my wife. So that, 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 that actually worked out quite well. Um, uh, I, I have like a Buddhist prayer as well, which is just, you know, uh, simple, just waking up this morning. Uh, I have 24 brand new hours uh, in front of me, and I vow to live uh, every moment uh, 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 with, with joy and, and, and compassion. So very, very simple things, um, but it's a ritual, uh, and I find grounds me for the morning. And I'm generally... When I write down, even though I'm tired, if I'm up with the girls, like I'm not sleeping for whatever reason, I I, I smile. I force a smile out, um, and I may, and I think it's funny. Every morning I find myself funny. I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think just time with friends. I think in in this our joint, you know, connected lifestyle context, we have so many screens around us. Getting away from those screens. Uh, Knowing, you know, with the ringer off and just looking at people in the eye and hugging people. Like, I hug, I'm a hugger. Um, mm. Even my business partners, and they know it. <laughs> they know I'm coming. Um, yeah. And that, that, that fosters connection. That's, I mean, that's, that's all we have for this, for this moment. That's, yeah. that's like very said, beautiful. It's, it's not, right? right? It's not one thing. It's, 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 it's many, a little many bit from things. A lot of things. Well, it's it sounds like I, you know, I was going to say, give us a snapshot of your life, which you just did. And I do want to say, your book is so many things. It really is. It it is also a love story. You're right about that. And it's about unconditional love. It's about acceptance. It's about so many different things. So that's why I'm urging people to go out and get it because it really is a terrific, terrific book, and your life is just amazing. When I read your story, I was like, oh, my God, you know, this this really could have been 10 books, you know, based on your journey in a way. But you did a beautiful job putting it all together. I am forever indebted to you for opening up your life to the world because I know you're going to help so many people. And I'm so grateful that you came on to to share your past, but your present. It means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much, Kathy. I really appreciate that. Uh, I love this conversation. Me too. And I just want to say, I, I, again, I wish you and your family all the best as you move forward. And I want to mention the name of the book again is Before I Leave You, a memoir on suicide, addiction, and healing. Go to Robert's website at R-O-B-I-M-B-E-A-U-L-T dot com. Buy his book today. You will not be able to put it down, by the way. I think I read it in like four hours. You can also go to <laughs> gobehindthecurtain.com and uh, you will find out more about Robert. We will feature him on our website. And uh, so check us out. If you're listening out there, if you're struggling uh, with addiction, whether it's work or sex or alcohol or drugs, and if you're thinking about taking your life, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. If you go to the show's website at gobehindthecurtain.com, you will find an international list of suicide prevention hotline numbers for countries all over the world that is uh, done by a company called Open Counseling. I beg you to choose life. Just, Just look at Robert's example. Look at how much... 
he had to share with us and he's here and I, I, I am so grateful that he's here with us and that he shared his story. There, these are especially difficult times we are facing and many people around the world are hurting. It's a moment by moment choice. Just remember that, that there are people available to help you, that care about you. I care about you. We are all connected. And so when you hurt, I hurt. If you die, we all lose. You have gifts to share with this world that are unique to you and that can help serve others. So you may be able to see your, may not be able to see your beauty and potential right now, but it's there and others see it. I dedicate the show to all of you who may be struggling. I dedicate the show to my beautiful brother. I miss him every minute of every day. And to all of you who have lost a loved one to suicide, I send you all my love and all my compassion. This is Kathy Barrett signing off from Behind the Curtain. Until next time, let's stand in love for ourselves and for each other. Peace, everybody. 